Got her. Yes. Yang gang. Hashtag Yang gang. Yeah. All right. <laughs> hey, honey. Hey. Are you ready to learn about <laughs> Jesus before Jesus was? I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. If you guys don't know, Jesus is in the Old Testament. I I don't know if I've actually mentioned Jesus before <laughs> in the Old Testament part. You know, I don't think you've ever mentioned who is this person again. Jesus, yeah, Jesus the Christ, the which, Jesus. by the way, in case you guys don't know, Christ is not his last name, which apparently was hilarious to Casey the first time I told her that for the longest time I thought that Christ was his last name. <laughs> it's funny. You're not the only one. There no. are lots of people who think that, but it, it tickles I, me every time because I did not. I definitely grew up knowing that that was not his last name. <laughs> See, I, I I grew up with a Catholic uh, private school that did not correct us on what Jesus's last name was. It was either reference to as Jesus or Jesus Christ. But it was just an assumption that you missed. It's not like they taught that Christ was his last name. Uh, it's not so much that they directly said this is his last name, but it's more or less like they referenced him as Jesus Christ. And of course, our, you know, our only experience is like John Gleason. That's my name, Jesus Christ. It <laughs> follows the exact same formula. <laughs> I don't know why this is hilarious to her. I mean, I thought that it was a, a, a decent inference for a small child. Uh, okay, that's I maybe so. I mean, I literally thought I could address a letter to Jesus Christ and it would get to Jesus. Like, not mailing it through our system, but I'm like, if Jesus was around today, what would I write on the piece of mail to get it to him? (laughs) Jesus Christ, one Jerusalem way. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) One Jerusalem way. Sure. I mean, I don't... uh, You get my point, though. Yeah. Anyways... Enough about my embarrassing history. Let's go to the Bible's embarrassing view of history. Um, all right. So if you guys don't remember, last time God made a dead baby necklace and made all the Israelites wear it. Yeah, that's right. I remember that happening. Yep. Uh, also, Abraham was blessed with a big dick and all women should envy Sarah. Because she had access to that big dick. Hagar did too. She eventually got kicked out, and that's where that's where um, Muslims come from, I believe. <laughs> what? <That's, laughs> Hagar got kicked out, and that's why we have Muslims. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, uh, Ishmael. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. I'm just just the way you said it is funny. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how we get Muslims. Um, so then God promises that salvation is coming. So make sure you make eye contact whilst blowing his knob. Don't fear death, though. But God's got you, babe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God's got you. So don't worry. Like Sunny and Cher. Yep. Uh, those that have been kidnapped will also be released. Uh, they're not going to suffer in the BDSM dungeons for long. Uh, God reminds them not to fear God, even though he spent several chapters talking about how they should definitely fear his ass for obvious reasons, apparently. 
I mean, yeah, when you stick fireballs up people's asses, they tend to be afraid of you. Yeah, I would say so. Plus, directly saying you should fear me is also a good indication. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, you need to fear me. Yeah. Yeah. I would take that seriously. Uh, God's pissy fit will pass, though. Uh, he will calm his tits down one day. Doubt it. God then asks, or rather tells the Israelites to go face down, ass up for him and face the goblet or face the goblet of my wrath. So you got to go face down, ass up or you get his goblet. <laughs> God shakes the hell out of Zion to wake her ass up. And those that don't cut their dicks won't be welcomed anymore. Nope. You got to cut your dick in order to be welcomed by God. I'm just saying, guys. It's in there. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. God hates exiling the Israelites, but they kind of deserve it. I mean, we can all agree to that, right? I mean, God obviously thought so. Yeah. God claims that when he calms down, there is going to be another shindig to proclaim his glory to all. So this is a, a shindig for what? We already discussed a shindig last week, and now he's going to have another shindig later. I mean, there's all kinds of shindigs for God in the... Uh, God is all shindiggery. Then the God of Israel will guard his people's ass because only he can enter them. Now, cue... somewhere with that. Yeah? yeah. Now we're going to cue all the Jesus talk. So for one thing, Jesus is a suffering servant. Jesus will sprinkle the land like ice cream. Jesus is going to get fucked, like, really hard, BDSM style, with no safe word. Jesus is an unknown person, for one. Also, Jesus was despised for some reason. Also, in case you guys don't know, we are the reason why Jesus gets fucked up. Jesus is also the sacrificial lamb of God. Nobody at all defends Jesus from getting fucked up by God. Jesus was just some innocent little boy. But the Lord definitely wanted to fuck him up right from the get-go. I don't understand why we're to blame for it if God was going to go ahead and fuck him up anyways. Like, I don't know. It just seems really messed up. Like everything don't, else in this book? Yep. Don't worry, though. Jesus is going to resurrect that dick. He is going to bear all of our sins. And finally, Israel is going to go spread eagle on the earth, ready for God to fuck them again. I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> oh man so that's perfect right no need to read the rest of today and we definitely have to read it what <sighs> fuck it's it's never we're never not gonna read it okay okay what's up heathens how, how y'all doing, doing? So today we're going to be going over Jesus shit. I hope you're ready. This is kind of early for us to be talking about Jesus because we're not even to the New Testament yet. But if you guys did not know the Old Testament. It's is, the prophecies. Yeah. Well, it's the it, the Old Testament is the source for the Jesus, at least the Jesus of the Gospels in the New Testament. Mm hmm. So we're going to talk about that today. Yeah, we yeah. are. We've got buddy. a few. We've got a few other things. First, we're going to start with Isaiah 51. And then we're going to end at the very beginning of Isaiah 54, but we're going to go all the way through 52 and 53, right. which are Messiah heavy, right? Right. These are the primary, this is the primary source for everything that we know about Jesus as far as it's like referenced by both Paul and the Gospels. Yeah. 
Okay, so are you ready to start? I'm ready to do this shit. Okay. Uh, Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were hewn. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave you birth. When I called him, he was only one man, and I blessed him and made him many. The Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the sound of singing. So I guess it's, they're going to end up being okay. Well, yeah, obviously, uh, up until God gets pissed off again. I mean, that's how it always goes. Well, I mean, at the end of chapter 50, the literally the last line is, you will lay down in torment. <laughs> and then it starts off with, you who pursue righteousness will be super blessed. <laughs> but that's that's the key. You have to pursue him, right? Righteousness is him. Yeah, well, I imagine like all of this going like back and forth between like a really dark, fiery setting Mm -hmm. and then like a really light blue, cloudy kind of like loving God kind of setting. Because it's like, you will lie in torment. And then it turns right back around to the blue heavenly kind of thing. Like, unless you praise and follow me. And then everything will be like the Garden of Eden and everyone will be running around naked. Except for that fucking snake. <laughs> All right. Are you, you ready to continue? We're going to talk about salvation. Mm-hmm. Listen to me, my people. Hear me, my nation. Instruction will go out from me. My justice will become a light to the nations. My righteousness draws near speedily. My salvation is on the way and my arm will bring justice to the nation. So it seems like salvation is coming quickly, right? It seems like from here shouldn't be a whole lot of time until that happens, right? The islands will look to me and wait in hope for my arm. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look at the earth beneath. The heavens will vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment and its inhabitants die like flies. But my salvation will last forever. My righteousness will never fail. It's kind of a grim picture. Yeah. I mean, God's all about the grimness. Its inhabitants will die like flies. (laughs) Fuck, God. What? Oh, no, that just seems a little dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) Hear me, you who know what is right. You people who have taken my instruction to heart. Do not fear the reproach of mere mortals or be terrified by their insults. For the moth will eat them up like a garment. The worm will devour them like the wood. But my righteousness will last forever. My salvation through all generations. Awake, awake, arm of the Lord. Clothe yourself with strength. Awake as in days gone by, as in generations of old. Was it not you who cut Rahab to pieces, who pierced that monster through? Now, I just want to clarify. Rahab is a character in the Bible, uh, a female character who actually helped uh, the Israelites take Jericho. Remember, but she that's not who we're talking about here earlier in Isaiah in uh, chapter 30. I can't remember the verse, maybe seven. I can't remember what what verse, but earlier in chapter 30, um, he talks about uh, he calls Egypt Rahab. So here we're talking about Egypt. And I don't know why they don't just fucking say that. But was it? You remember back when uh, God was talking about Israel, but called them like 
Ariel the Mermaid or something? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they randomly do that, but at this point in time, I just want to be clear because Rahab is a character in the Bible that we've already talked. That's in Joshua, mm-hmm. um, and so you know we've we've already kind of talked about that. Rahab's kind of a cool name, so it's somewhat badassy. Yeah. But anyways, go ahead. So, but it's not her. There's a, he's referring to here to Egypt. Uh, so was it not you who cut Rahab to pieces, who pierced that monster through? Was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made a road in the depths of the sea so that the redeemed might cross over? Those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and, si- and sighing will flee away. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you fear mere mortals, human beings who are but grass, that you forget the Lord, your maker, who stretch out the heavens and who lays the foundations of the earth, that you live in constant terror every day because of the wrath of the oppressors who is bent on destruction. So he's saying that they're in fear because of their oppressors. I thought that God was their oppressor. I mean, God has been the one that's been doing all the fucking up, right? I mean, he's the one that allowed the oppressors to come in and like yes. fuck with them. And yeah, everything. but on Earth, the uh, the immediate oppressors that they see, like the firsthand oppressors, are the other nations that are around them, right? So people yeah. who are taking them and holding them in in bondage and yeah. But I thought God was taking credit for all that shit. Like he every, has taken credit for that. Yeah. Everything. So I mean, I you know I don't see. Here's the thing: if there's a cobra. Right, it's venom- venomous, mm-hmm. and so if 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 I somehow get near a cobra, it's gonna bite me and kill me. Right, I mean perhaps I don't know how deadly they are. I feel like you can survive a cobra bite, but well, I mean the I I, I want I want to say they're they're venomous. I think is the correct word. Poisonous you eat, venomous is like subcutaneous. Like that doesn't sure. necessarily mean you die. No, 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 no. That was, was my point. Make, I don't know. I don't know how well, just, bad it is. Uh, well, yeah. Just assume. Like I'm just using this as, as an example, okay. right? I expect a snake, a po- um, venomous snake, right, to bite and, and kill me if it feels threatened, right? Right. Just in the same way that I expect the quote unquote oppressors of the time or the other nations to conquer other nations, right. What I blame is the motherfucker that threw the goddamn snake in my face <laughs> and caused it to bite me, caused me to get into proximity of a snake for it to bite my balls off. Well, and so do they. Well, so here's the thing is that he God does tell them that it's he who is sending them after them, like he who is sending the oppressors for them. So they are well aware. I, Isaiah has made it very clear to the Israelites, the Judeans, that that. God is causing this and they've explained repeatedly throughout Isaiah why. So it's not like they don't know why, but I think, I think the point here is that the Israelites are fearing the wrong person. Like they're, they're fearing the oppressors and they shouldn't be afraid of the oppressors. God is, God was what controlled the oppressors. They should be afraid of God. But also if they just, do what he says, then mm-hmm. they don't have to be afraid of him. He'll save them. Right. Right. Okay. So that's how, I mean, that's how I uh, interpret this. 
Okay. The cowering pro oh, for for where is the wrath of the oppressors? The cowering prisoners will soon be set free. They will not die in their dungeon, nor will they lack bread. For I am the Lord, your God, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord Almighty is his name. I have put my words in your mouth and covered you with the shadow of my hand. I who set the heavens in place, who laid down the foundations of the earth and who say to Zion, you are my people. Mm-hmm. So he's basically saying you don't need to fear these people because they are nothing. I am the almighty. Right. Obviously he continuously tells everybody he is the almighty. He yes. has the big dick energy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was thinking it, you said it. God is the biggest dick motherfucker out there. <laughs> All right. Are you, are you ready to continue? Yes. Awake, awake, rise up Jerusalem. You who have drunk from the hand of the Lord, the cup of his wrath, you who have drained to its dregs, the goblet that makes people stagger among all the children she bore. There was none to guide her among all the children she reared. There was none to take her by the hand. These double calamities have come upon you. Who can comfort you? Ruin and destruction, famine and sword. Who can console you? Now, this is important. There's another translation here for where it says, who can console you in the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Septuagint, the Vulgate and Syriac and in the Masoretic text. It says, how can I console you? Not who can console you. It says, how can I console you? Okay. Yeah. So obviously Isaiah has been slightly like edited, it seems. Well, I think through translations. Yeah. I mean, definitely, you know, from copy to copy to copy to copy to copy there's going to be translations plus i mean it gets translated even within an individual language they'll do another translation to make it more um well different groups of people will translate it again to you know have a new understanding or make it more clear or do you know use better language or this or that so meaning nuances do get changed right Mm -hmm. but i mean uh, interpolation is pretty common, whether it's purpose, uh, like it's purposeful or accidental. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty obvious that at least after, like, at least at some point after the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, mm-hmm. would have been written, mm-hmm. it got changed. Yeah, is the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, uh, at least we have the Dead Sea Scrolls and all these other places like the Septuagint and the Vulgate to kind of look back on to see how things have changed. See, this is when a lot of Christians like to say that, oh, this has been translated without error and all this other stuff. But in actuality, while there's fewer errors in the Old Testament that we can detect right now, that's pretty much just because of the fact that it was already codified, you know, in in everything by the time that we have the extant text that we have today. Well, sure, but there are a lot of, I mean, if, if you read through a Bible that has footnotes in it, mm-hmm. there are a lot of minor differences in things um, that don't specifically change. They don't necessarily change what they're trying to say, mm-hmm. but it might in some cases um, be slightly different to where it could be interpreted differently. So, I mean, in this case, it's a question who can console you who and usually when like throughout Isaiah and throughout the when throughout the Bible when we've had through prophets we've had God's prophets saying that God says 
who can do this? He's basically saying no one else can do this but me. That's that's how that's used throughout the prophecies. He's not asking who can do that. He's saying who can I can like it's it's me. That's what Mm -hmm. he's trying to say every time. So saying how can I console you and who can console you? It's one is a little more braggart than the other, Mm -hmm. but your children have fainted. They lie at every street corner like antelope caught in a net. They are filled with the wrath of the Lord, with the rebuke of your God. Therefore, hear this, you afflicted one, made drunk, but not with wine. This is what your sovereign Lord says, your God who defends his people. See, I have taken out of your hand the cup that made you stagger. From that cup, the goblet of my wrath, you will never drink again. So I think this part's kind of interesting because he promises that he's never going to put his wrath on them like he has. Similarly, when he uh, promised in the, the after, you know, after the flood, he promised he would never flood the entire earth again. So he's making a similar kind of promise, but it's not it's it's more subtle here. Mm-hmm. He just says from the cup, from that cup that made them stagger the goblet of his wrath, you will never drink again. I don't, I'm trying to think of this in the larger context of the Messiah stuff that's about to come up, because the problem that was faced with in the New Testament was the fact that the Israel's kind of got drunk on power, which mm-hmm. is what God is saying right here, because they started controlling things and they, you know, were very much about, at least in the New Testament, they, they were more about themselves keeping power rather than giving the power to God. Mm-hmm. That's been a pretty uh, common theme throughout. I mean, even that was even a theme with Moses. That's why Moses wasn't ever allowed to enter the Holy Land. Right. So it kind of seems like right here, which maybe I'm looking a bit too deep into this, but it kind of seems like God uh, through Isaiah is saying that he is going to take the ability to have that power away. So that and they'll never because he says they'll never drink from the goblet of wrath again. It says, see, I have taken out of your hand the cup that made you stagger, which was uh, it says you afflicted one made drunk, but not with wine is what it says earlier. Right. Right. Um, And it says from that cup, the goblet of my wrath, you will never drink again. Right. I feel like what he's saying here is that he's going to take the power away Mm -hmm. from them to be able to sort of do whatever they want or, or worship the way that they want. Perhaps it it, it continues. If this may help a little bit with the context, I will put it being the goblet, right? I will put it into the hands of your tormentors who said to you, fall prostrate that we may walk on you. And you made your back like the ground, like a street to be walked on. Okay. So he's giving the goblet of wrath to the oppressors. So it kind of seems like he's foretelling the persecution of, those that are like God's chosen people. Perhaps right? he does talk about that somewhat. I, I didn't interpret it that way. I read it as he's not going to, they're not going to face his wrath like this ever again. Instead, right. his, their tormentors will face his wrath. That's how I'm reading this. Oh, maybe. Yeah. The tormentors will face his wrath. And he, what he's saying is the tormentors who said to them, like oh, lay okay. on the ground and I'm going to walk on you. So I think God is saying that he's going to protect them. They won't have, they will never face his torment, his, um, 
his torment, they'll never face his um, wrath. wrath again, that he's going to hand that goblet to the tormentors and they will face it. That, I mean, that's how I see it. No, yeah, that's a, yeah, no, uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm very, I'm always very confused by the phrasing in in this part of of everything. Like yeah. it's it's so, it's so awkward the way that it's written. But that's um, how prophecies are. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, your your interpretation makes a lot more sense. So he's God's basically going to be laying laying down the law, or um, he he's going to be focusing his wrath on the people that oppress his chosen people. Yes. Okay. Instead of on his chosen people, which has been for some time. Right. Yeah. He's, his wrath has been on his chosen people for some, quite some time hmm. throughout the old Testament. Yeah. This makes a lot of sense with what, with what you hear from Christians nowadays talking about how, you know, God's wrath will be on those that don't believe or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So are we ready to continue into 52? That's the end of 51. Okay. Awake, awake, Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor. Jerusalem, the holy city, the uncircumcised and defiled will not enter you again. I mean, this goes back to the whole (laughs) gate thing with proving that you're an Israelite. It's like, all right, put your dick in the hole. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Okay. (laughs) Do I pass the muster? Yeah, it's a little jagged, but I mean, you're fine. You did it on the road. Ridiculous. (laughs) Shake off your dust, rise up, sit enthroned, Jerusalem, free yourself from the chains on your neck, daughter Zion, now a captive. For this is what the Lord says. You were sold for nothing, and without money, you will be redeemed. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. At first, my people went down to Egypt to live. Lately, Assyria has oppressed them. And now what do I have here, declares the Lord? For my people have been taken away for nothing. And those who rule them mock, declares the Lord. Now, the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Vulgate actually don't have mock. They have the word for whale. (laughs) Okay. Like, not the animal. Like, I, I, I know. Yeah. I have to admit, I did imagine a whale at first, but then I was like, well, no, he meant like cry, or they crying, meant like crying yeah. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So those who rule them mock or, or wail. Uh, and all day long, my name is constantly blasphemed. Therefore, my people will know my name. Therefore, in that day, they will know that it is I who foretold it. Yes, it is I. <laughs> and now we're... Yeah, so we're about to go into <clears throat> passages that are considered to be part of the suffering servant prophecy, although the suffering servant section really doesn't come until chapter 53. It starts at the very end of chapter 52, so we're about to go into that. Yeah, we're going to talk about restoration. Right. Okay, so which we've talked some about, you know, the holy people being restored. They're freed. They 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 all come back and they're re- they mm-hmm. get restored. So That's what we're going to talk about now. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. All right. So the very first verse there, uh, that's 52, 
uh, Isaiah 52, verse 7. Mm-hmm. He talks about how uh, beautiful uh, upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings. Mm-hmm. That's the King James Version yeah. of it. Um, does that sound familiar? It sounds like a Christmas song. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going for the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but J- Jesus is you know, known. Like good tidings we bring to you and your kin. Yeah, yeah, I know. Sorry. <laughs> so I was really meaning the Sermon on the Mount there, and uh, the Sermon on the Mount sort of starts uh, in Matthew five, and that's exactly where people map it to. But uh, also, Jesus gave other like sermons and stuff on mountains. It's actually uh, prophesied. Um, that the Messiah is going to come from the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And that's actually why you have Jesus entering the city of Jerusalem on the day that it did, uh, on the day that he did from the direction that he did. Cause he's the, the, it's prophesied that the Messiah is going to come from that direction. So, uh, there's a lot of things to do with mountains there. Um, as far as the Messiah goes, but that's, that, that's what it has to say. All right. Are we ready to continue on? Yes. Okay. Depart, depart, go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Come out from it and be pure. You who carry the articles of the Lord's house, but you will not leave in haste or go in flight. For the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. Oh, that's the one where God protects their asses. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> he, you know how God loves the ass. <laughs> He likes some face down ass up. He does. Mm-hmm. Cheek spread and all. <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. I can I can see how some Christians would be offended by our podcast. Oh, yeah? Yeah, for sure. Because I talk about God being an anal kind of guy. Well, I mean, just because of the last interaction that we just had. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they ever got this far because of your interests. <laughs> right. You ready to continue in Isaiah 52? Yes. 13. 13. This is Mm -hmm. more Messiah shit. See, my servant will act wisely or will prosper, depending on what uh, translation you're reading. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, uh, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human, his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him for what they were not told. They will see and what they have not heard. They will understand. Yes. So there's a lot of prophecy given here. Uh, of course, the servant uh, being Jesus uh, shall be exalted. Uh, it's also talking about how Jesus is severely abused and you know, basically uh, doesn't even look human mm-hmm. uh, at the at the point of him being abused. And then, uh, of course, nations are startled by the message uh, of Jesus and that his bloodshed sprinkles nations. Uh, they uh, Christians see all of these things as being prophecies of Jesus. And you can see in the Gospels how this is. Uh, brought forth, like with the bloodshed sprinkling nations, this uh, kind of goes to the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. You know, him saying to go out to all the nations and spread his word. Right. Um, and then uh, nations startled by the message. I mean, you have countless stories in, uh, you know, in um, Luke and, and Matthew about 
how his uh, message startles nations, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the two uh, books that are referenced right here in my little prophecy guidebook. You also have him being abused in Luke and Matthew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, he's also abused in Mark, but I guess it's more blatant in Luke and Matthew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. And All they right. talk about him being exalted um, in, in many places. Yeah, Acts, Ephesians, and Philippians. Okay, so are you ready to continue? We're actually going to, this is the start of 53. All right, suffering servant time, y'all. We've already got a little bit of the suffering servant, but now we're going full bore. Well, first we're going to talk about his appearance, okay? It's fucked up. (laughs) Just telling you, straight up. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. All right. So in 53.1, we have uh, his people will not believe him as a prophecy. And that's fulfilled in John 12. And then in 53.2, we have an appearance of an ordinary man. And that's in Philippians 2, 6 through 8. And then in 53, 3, we have a whole slew of prophecies, and that's being despised, which appears in Luke 4. And then rejected, that appears in Matthew 27. And then we have uh, great sorrow and grief appearing in Matthew, Luke, and Hebrews. And then also in 53.3, men hide from being associated with him. And that's in Mark 14. Yeah. So you see all of this in the New, in the New Testament, in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. You see these being fulfilled, right? right? Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All right, so going through this section right here, we have Isaiah 53, 4, that claims that he would have a healing ministry, and that's fulfilled in Matthew. And then in, in Isaiah 53, 4, again, thought to be cursed by God. That's Matthew again. And then in 53, 5, he's going to bear the penalty for man, uh, mankind's iniquities. And that's 2 Corinthians 5 and Hebrews 2. And then and also in Isaiah 53, 5, we have his sacrifice provides peace between man and God. That's Colossians 1, 20. And then in 53.5, we have his sacrifice would heal man of sin, and that's in uh, 1 Peter 2. This is very prophetic heavy, and uh, my point in doing all this right now, connecting Old Testament to New Testament directly, um, is to show you how everything that we know in the Gospels and everything that Paul claims about Jesus is found in the Old Testament. Yeah. And so it was already existing in Jewish literature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was already known. Okay. 
This is going to be 53, 7 through 9. That's what we're doing right now. Okay? okay. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Now, there's another translation here for oppression, um, arrest, from arrest and judgment, he was taken away. Mm-hmm. Um, yet, who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Right. Uh, I So I missed Isaiah 53, 6. That has a couple of prophecies. Uh, one that he would be the sin bearer of all mankind. That's in 1 John. Um, and then God's will that he bears sin for all mankind is in Galatians 1, 4. Um, starting with this next section, though, we've got 53, 7 that has a few prophecies in it, uh, mainly that Jesus is going to be oppressed and afflicted. That's Matthew 27. So in uh, another one in 53, 7 is that he's silent before his accusers, which is also in Matthew. And then he's uh, basically the sacrificial lamb, and that's fulfilled in John 1 and one Peter. Uh, and it, you can also get hints of that all throughout all of the Gospels, not just John. Um, it's just directly stated in John is what the thing is there. And then in 53.8, we also we have about four prophecies that they pull from this. That's being confined and persecuted. That's Matthew. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would be judged. That's John. Uh, he would be killed. That's in Matthew. But of course, He's killed in all of them. Right. Um, Dies for the sins of the world. That's one John. And then in 53, nine, we have buried in a rich man's grave. And that occurs in Matthew. And then we have innocent and had done no violence. That's Luke and John. And then, and then finally in 53, nine, we have no deceit in his mouth. And that's one Peter two 22. So, <clears throat> yeah, so that that's all of the prophecies that Christians pull out of those few verses. It's a lot. It is. It, there's a lot that they put throughout, that they sprinkle throughout the New Testament um, that is, well, throughout the New Testament writings, you have all these prophecies sprinkled everywhere, yeah. everywhere. Um, okay, so we're going to continue. The triumph of the resurrection, 53, 10 through 12. Okay. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Before we continue, I want to bring, uh, I just want to bring something up. It says here, after he has suffered, he will see the light of life. So this is an interesting footnote here because the light of life actually doesn't appear um, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Septuagint, the Masoretic text. None of these have that phrase. It's just it's not that it's translated from as that from something else. It's just not there. Mm -hmm. Okay, Um, I'm not exactly sure where it came from, but it's it's not it's not in the those texts. I feel like that's to further reinforce the idea that he's supposed to resurrect, but I mean, it's already mentioned that he's going to resurrect. So 
Yeah. Kind of seems like just an added thing. Okay, so let me let me finish this section, and then okay. you can do your thing here. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong. Um, these two words, great and strong, gr- uh, many, uh, they can also be translated as many and numerous. Okay. Um, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Okay. So, uh, starting at 53.10, we have that God's, it's God's will that he died for all of mankind. That's in John. And then he is an offering for sin. That's in Matthew and Galatians. Uh, resurrected and lived forever uh, is in Romans 6.9. Which it doesn't actually, in this in this translation, it doesn't say it. Will you read it from the King James translation? Uh, in King James, it says, Yes, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, and he shall prolong his days. Gotcha. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in this land. Okay, that's where they're getting it, prolong his days. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and then also in 5310, uh, saying that he would prosper, that appears in John. Um. And then in 53.11, we have God fully satisfied with Jesus' suffering. That's also in John. And then in 53.11, we have God's servant would justify man. That's in Romans. And then also in 53.11, we have the sin bearer for all mankind, which is what Jesus is. That's Hebrews. And then in 53.12, we have a a bunch of prophecies. um, Exalted by God because of his sacrifice. That happens in Matthew. Uh, Also, we have he would give up his life to save mankind. That's in Luke. And then another one in 53.12. Numbered with the transgressors. That's in Mark and Luke. And then he's also the sin bearer for all mankind, which is kind of similar to this some of the things we've already done, but mm-hmm. that, that also that directly appears in one Peter. And then finally in 53 12, we have intercede to God uh, on behalf of mankind. Yeah. Made, made intercession for the transgressors. Right. That's mm-hmm. in Luke and Romans. Yeah. So, and that's going to be it uh, for all of the uh, Jesus prof- prophecy stuff. But we're not done. No, no, no. We're not yeah. done with the Bible study. I'm just saying yeah. that's it for the suffering servant. Yeah, that was a lot. We had a lot of, there was a lot of Messiah prophecy today. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is the last section. It's it's short. Um, Isaiah 54, we're just going to do uh, verses 1 through 3 uh, today, and then the next, we start with 4 next week. Sing, barren woman, you who have never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left, your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. So this section was just a little bit confusing to me. So I looked up how some Bible commentaries talk about it. And this section is basically talking about um, that the desolate will have life. And that um, their religion, Israel, their nation will spread far and they will take they'll take the name of the God they'll take the name of their God far and wide. They're going to spread to the right and spread to the left. 
So that's spread eagle for God. (laughs) Spread eagle for God. (laughs) Lay down on the ground and act like your ankles hate each other. (laughs) That's basically what God said to Israel. That's all for this week. Um, And it's it's interesting. (laughs) It's interesting that he says that because next week when we start off, we're going to talk about how Israel is God's wife. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He's going to make a covenant with them as he did with Noah, which actually I kind of hinted at earlier mm-hmm. when I talked to you about the goblet is it's kind of the same, a similar thing. So we're going to talk about that um, and how Israel, uh, their future security and how much splendor there is in the restoration. But as always, you have to be obedient, mm-hmm. right? Um, and if you are obedient, there's, there's certainty in that there's certainty with God and the restoration and it, but you, you have to do the right things. You have to be righteous and, um, this is an interesting thing, which is new to the Bible, pretty much. It, it, this is a new idea that salvation will also be for the Gentiles. Hmm. That's kind of a newer thing here. It's yeah. not just for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. Okay. Okay. Um, the spiritual leaders of the time are also going to be condemned. We probably know why they're probably not doing the right things. You know how the, the spiritual leaders tend to do. So Mm -hmm. we're going to talk a little bit about that. So that's next time. Okay. Awesome. All right. Can't wait for it. (laughs) Anyways, um, I hope that you guys enjoyed this little bit of the New Testament in the Old Testament today. (laughs) And I hope that you'll join us next week when we have more New Testament in the Old Testament. Not much. Not as much as today because it's not directly about the suffering servant as explicitly as it is for today. But we still have that. So... I hope you will join us next time for more Jesus shit. And as always, don't forget to stand up and use your voice. Bye, heathens. Bye, y'all. <laughs>